Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Four at the Back. We are on our mid-season break, but with the World Cup on, we've thought it was just too good an opportunity to get together and talk about some of the things that we've seen in what's been a pretty remarkable group stage. Uh, we do have a bit of a change of roster, or however you want to kind of phrase it this time out, because we don't have uh, Neil or Joe with us here tonight. So we've got Maz, and we've roped in as a very special guest to help us talk through the group stage. Uh, we're joined by Bobby Cash. Bobby, how are you? I'm very well, very well. Always nice to be called a special guest. <laughs> uh, so just to kind of by way of introduction, uh, what's your kind of first memories of the World Cup? You know, what's got, when you think Ooh, back, what are the first things that jump to mind? Um, yeah, um, well, I was, my first World Cup that I remember watching properly was the 2002 World Cup. I don't know if that ages this podcast or... It, it ages me, ages, that's for sure. <laughs> ages anybody else. Yeah, I mean, um, Maz is more 1990, I would guess. So, uh, And I'm 94. So if anything, you're bringing us up a bit more contemporary. I know, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be the 2002 World Cup because I was 11 at that point. And, you know, when it was in Japan and South Korea, you'd see all the games before breakfast. And they'd have the, uh, the games on the hall. Mm, I was too hungover. Um, I think, that was always that was always good. I remember when we lost to Brazil and was absolutely furious for the rest of the day. Kids get over things really quickly, but I did not get over that. <laughs> no, yeah, I, the country um, was like that straight to work after that. Well, I watched it in the office. Uh, I'm guessing you watched it in uh, in the hall, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, they did a breakfast club for the England games. Yeah, so uh, that was the first World Cup that I remember watching pretty adamantly from start to finish and I've watched every World Cup basically again from start to finish since then really nothing like it is there you know I'm famously not really anywhere near into football as I was in previous years and stuff like this but the World Cup always always gets me you know I can hardly bring myself to watch the match of the day these days well I very rarely do to be honest but yeah when it's it's World Cup you know who's playing Qatar and Ecuador yeah I'll have a piece of that Bring it on. You see, you make a joke about that, but I think my wife thinks I've got a problem <laughs> because I have managed to watch every match at least a half because, um, you know, you get the little windows in the little desktops nowadays that you can sneak it in. So I've got away we with a lot Bobby's, of the ones uh, in the day, boss so. isn't watching. <laughs> Listening. No, don't tell her. Don't tell her. Well, you mentioned there the uh, the clash of the titans that is uh, Qatar and Ecuador, and and that's how we start things off. Uh, it's a bit of a an underwhelming opening game to to kick things off, but it's inevitable when you have a, a host nation like Qatar who and who are not really expected to do anything. But Group A really threw up a few surprises here and there, nonetheless. And in the end, although Ecuador probably looked like they were going to ease through the group in that opening game, they end up going out. And so you end up with the, the Netherlands taking seven points and Cody Gakpo getting on the score sheet quite a few times. But then really kind of tussle for the next place between Senegal and Ecuador. And it was Senegal, the reigning uh, African Cup of Nations champions, who end up taking it. So... I mean, that's a good place as any to start with, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, thoughts are on the Netherlands, really, and uh, about that kind of tussle between Ecuador and Senegal. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm famously a huge, huge fan uh, of Dutch football. Oh, Netherlands are always my second team in World World Cups or European tournaments, and, you know, quietly my first team some point. I wouldn't tell anyone, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't find this Dutch team as likeable as I have um, others over the years. 
I don't think they're challengers, but they've got the job done. You can only beat what's in front of you, and you know, they seven points is as good as it got for anyone in this tournament. So, you know, bearing in mind we're going to be talking about probably teams that are more in the favourite category who 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 have losses or may have even gone home already. They they've done the job, you know. It, it's not been overly exciting, but I, I think with the Dutch, it's always a case of they. They're going to be there or thereabouts because they have talented players. Uh, can they keep it together, you know, <laughs> off the pitch? Um, not, not seeing those big issues that you have done in previous Dutch teams here. So, you know. Mm. I've been I've been quite disappointed in the Dutch, actually. They came in with a lot of hype, um, probably their own hype, with a lot of the players that they've got in terms of they've got Virgil van Dijk, who's arguably one of the top three centre-halves in the, in the world. Memphis Depay seems to have taken on a new lease of life since he left Manchester United back in the uh, couple of years ago. Uh, Frankie De Jong, he had all the drama with him over the last over the summer, and he probably had a point to prove. But I think if they were in a different group with maybe a second team or a third team that was a little bit stronger, they could have had a couple of problems. Um, I don't think they're anything to write home about at the minute. They've won games that they should have won on paper, and they drew with um, was it Ecuador? Equ- they drew it with was, Ecuador, yeah. didn't they? And they could have yeah. lost that game. They could have lost that game. So um, yeah, they're gonna have to pull out the stops against the United States. I mean, we'll get to them. We'll get to that group in a minute, but not gonna be a walk in the park for them uh, tomorrow. No. Oh, yeah, it, it will be it will be a bit more of a test for them, you'd think, and um, it'd be interesting to see. You'd still think they'd have enough to get past the, the states, but um, I'm not sure getting past the quarterfinals is, you know, I, I think the quarterfinals is, is a decent decent result for this Dutch team. Maybe a couple more players coming through, and that can change. Maybe Depay a little bit more fit because he's clearly not 100% at the moment. But, you know, Gakpo is the, is the guy that's making a name for himself in this team, isn't he? And um, a big move coming up for him, you'd think, um, off the back of this. You know, already being discussed beforehand, but, you know, he's showing the world now. He's already signed for Man United by the sounds of things. Uh, is, it, is that done and dusted, is it? No, no, but <laughs> if you listen to any United fans, they'll tell you that he's already their player. I, 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 think, I think we all know on this podcast... Uh, Listening to United fans is never the way to go. <laughs> I, I will I will roll in there and agree with that 100%. So while the Netherlands were winning their final game against Hatta, who only scored once across all three of them, uh, which was Montari, I think, got their goal. Uh, Senegal and Ecuador played out the the other one there, and, and Senegal had less than 40% of the ball, but arguably did more with it than than Ecuador. So maybe that's uh, a kind of deserved thing there I mean could you, could you say that I mean the ability to do something with it rather than just knocking it around actually meant they deserve to go through I think Senegal's strength really was, was key there big strong team gets a little technical team I don't know they just seem to seem to cope better with it in the end and you know they 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 got the job done it's strange because uh, Ecuador was pretty fun to watch but yeah I mean obviously we have a very vested interest in, in who finished second there. 
I'm I'm not sure who I'd rather have faced, to be honest. They're very different challenges, but I don't think either of them are challenges we should be uh, scared of. No, I, I agree with that. I think I think whoever is going to finish second was always going to be a straight shootout between Ecuador and Senegal. I think on on paper, England should be beating both of them. But either one was going to either one would have been a difficult test. I think Ecuador will find themselves a bit hard done by having got themselves into a decent position after beating Qatar in the opening game and. And then getting a point off the Dutch, you'd think it would just be a bit of a not a foregone conclusion, but you'd think that they'd be they'd have enough mental strength to get over the line, and it didn't work this time. No, so uh, Ener Valencia, who scored the three goals in the opening two games, wasn't enough, and and they didn't really have enough goals in the rest of the team to uh, to hold things up. And when Senegal were able to turn that last game just after Ecuador had equalised, which is always a, a kind of mental thing as well, isn't it? Not conceding right after you score that uh, that opened things up and allowed Senegal to sneak through. Uh, we've both gestured with regards to both the teams. Uh, Netherlands and Senegal about who they're playing in the next round. So I think we might as well move on to Group B, which is uh, going to be the more interesting one for most of our listeners, I would have thought. And this is uh, where England came through as group winners, not without some, how do I put it, some worries in that that middle game against the United States. Uh, but England come through as group winners, as possibly a tournament too far for Wales, or only manage a point. And then US and Iran goes down to to the last game and a Christian Pulisic winner uh, basically was what made the difference there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how, you know, how how good were England? I mean, they, they won two of these games quite easily, but arguably could have lost to America. I'm surprised we didn't. I'll be honest with you. Watch the first game against Iran and, you know, you, you, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And I thought that we were very good, um, especially after what Iran did in the games following, um, getting the getting the win against Wales and then narrowly defeated by by the Americans. So uh, the 6-2 victory against Iran in the first game is actually turned out to be a really good result for us. The Americans had a different game plan completely to what Iran were doing. Iran didn't want to lose America. They wanted to win. They were desperate to win that game. And they probably deserved it. If they'd have scored and won, I wouldn't have. I would have been disappointed, obviously, but I wouldn't have complained about it. We would, we were really poor in that game, and um, I know it's easy to point fingers at Southgate and things like that, but you can in that game because we were up against it. We needed something else, and he wouldn't change it, and that's a frustration that I understand. Having you know, being a, a City fan. When things aren't going right, Pep Guardiola is very stubborn and doesn't change anything. And Gareth Southgate was going the same way. So I, <laughs> it was like watching the game we played against Brentford the other week. Yeah, it, it, it's odd that, isn't it? We 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 were excellent in those uh, first and last group games. You know, never really looked like the result was there in doubt. Whereas that middle one, it it. it you know the formation, the personnel, whatever it was, just wasn't working. We couldn't couldn't get a hold of the midfield, which you know we're not talking about an absolute elite team here. With all due respect to the states, you know it's not it's not a team that you you think well we're going to struggle to run that midfield. So you know it's 
very very similar to the Euros you know the middle came where it just did not click for whatever reason and um, well yeah. America, America went toe to toe they went toe to toe with us they had they had Winston McKenney Christian Pulisic and um, Timothy Ware hounding Rice hounding Bellingham Bellingham as you you know he he had a great game against Iran but he had a poor game against America but I don't think it was his performance it was the performance of the opposition they yeah. negated him completely. Didn't give they him the that they yeah. had a game plan. Everything goes through Bellingham. If you can keep Bellingham quiet, you'll you'll do well. And they did, and got us on the counter attack. And yeah, the the Americans can can feel a bit hard done by that they didn't come away with three points in that one. But you know, um, it it was the point was more than enough for to see us top the group. It, it turned out to be more than enough for for America to to set them on their way and. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. They're quite exciting. They do have a good intensity to them, this States team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, problems they can give the Dutch. But, and I know um, for on, us, um, I know on yeah. Wales, you said before that the tournament was one too, you know, it was one, um, one was it one too many? Yeah, I saw, one a, too great, far. I saw a great comment from a, from a friend who's, who's Welsh. And he made a comment on how the Welsh media and the Welsh public have, they saw Euro 2016 where they got to the semi-finals. They saw that as the start when he and a few others, he said, have, they actually, they actually got to the realization that that was actually the peak. Mm. So the peak of the Welsh football team was six years ago, because if you look at it now, Aaron Ramsey still getting a game, Gareth Bale still getting a game. I mean, Ben Davis is a decent player, but you know who's next? You know, yeah, there's who, not much who, there. Is who there. is next? Because once they stop, which is probably going to be likely now, who's once they stop, who is going to be the leader? I mean, Brennan Johnson plays for you know he plays for Forest and he's he's decent. I think he's okay, but he's not Gareth Bale. You know, he's not an Aaron Ramsey. So well, I think they'll struggle, you know, going well, if you, for the next one. If you go back to when, you know, me and Maz were younger, and it's not actually that odd to think of Wales struggling, right? I mean, they, they spent years in the international wilderness and the idea of them being better than Scotland mm, is a relatively yeah. new thing uh, that only really started to come around when the Scots went into that long slide after 99, 2000 kind of time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is this is a team we're going to see qualify for too many more tournaments. And you know, when you look at the quality of that team, you know, take out the history uh, of Gareth Bale, you know, because he's he's not that player anymore. It, it's you know, I think them qualifying is is a huge achievement in itself, and to expect them to get get out of that group was probably you know too big an expectation. And the, th- and the thing is as well is what I've what I realised is Rob Page has utilised Gareth Bale in the same way that Manchester United have utilised Ronaldo in the last season under Ranić. He's not the man. Now he's not he's not the one that you rely all your hopes and dreams on. He's someone that is in the squad. He's a very valuable asset to the squad. He's got great quality, but he can't play ninety minutes. So why don't you have him? come on with half an hour to go 
or play second half just to boost everybody. Um, that's how that's how I would have utilised Bale perhaps. But to be honest, I'm English and I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also slightly different for for Manchester United as it is for Wales, isn't it? Because Manchester United can go out and buy a new starter. Uh, Wales, that is the talent pool. Uh, you know that they've got who they've got. Unless they're going to start trying to not get players to switch their nationality, then uh, you know they they're stuck with the uh, the kind of aging team. And there's going to be one or two other clubs as we go through the rest of this that uh, that we say about. Well, yeah, it was it was a tournament too far for several people, I think. I might explain some of the weird results that we saw. I do worry. I, I do. I, I mean, if I was a Wales, if I was a Wales fan, I'd be a bit concerned. That might be it for a few years. So England, Senegal, then, and uh, Netherlands, USA. We also kind of hinted that the USA can can maybe give some problems to the Netherlands, but maybe we don't expect them to win. Uh, England, Senegal. It's not an easy game. I mean, let's let's be honest. Senegal don't play badly often they're they're an organized team there's lots of premier league quality players in in the side uh, are we maybe a little bit guilty of looking past them i'm not looking past them at all i've followed england at far too many tournaments to look past them but you know the fact is we should beat them their best player isn't there you know and Yes, they've got some strong players they they're going to be a big physical threat to us but we player for player we are the better team so it, it's ours to throw away. You know, it doesn't mean we should underestimate them, but, you know, we it's a game we should be winning. Yeah, completely, completely agree. On paper, we've got the better players, like like you said, and not only is Sadio Mane out of the of the squad, which gives us, obviously, gives us a lift. Idris Agana Gay is banned. He picked up two yellow cards in the group stage, so he won't be playing either. And he's like the little engine room that they've got in the centre of midfield and he won't be playing. So um Yeah, it was big for them in that final game, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly, absolutely. So he's gonna be missing as well, which is only a boost for us. And you wanna talk about foregone conclusions, well uh Gary Lineker <laughs> today has already tweeted saying that we should rest Kyle Walker so he's fit and ready for when we play France. Oof. And it's just like, well, there you go. You, did we not learn anything from 2016 against Iceland? <laughs> you, you can only go one game at a time, my friend. I think yeah. we shouldn't Famous be worried. Words. We shouldn't be worried, but you know, you can you can only beat what's in front of you. Yes, uh, that's that's not good. I hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. But yes, let's uh, let's see. But yep, yeah, r- roll on. You know, I'm quietly confident. I think. I think this group of players, whoever Southgate plays, uh, I don't think it, it, it should be a problem. I just don't want to see Mount again. I don't have any problems with whoever he plays, but I just don't want to see Mount in there. Do you uh, want to uh, take us through what is a Mason Mount? I don't know what he is. He's someone that gets on... You know, I don't watch a great deal of club football anymore, so I don't know what he's doing week in, week out for Chelsea. But I, I just see him as a player that's kind of in that number eight role, but he don't do anything. You know, he's not someone that's breaking up play. He's not someone that's a midfield general, but he's not someone that pops up with lots of goals and assists either. So what? I, I, I genuinely don't get what what his strength is as a footballer. I understand he's got nice hair, he, but yeah, 
I think he plays. He plays for Chelsea on, in Graham Potter. He, he plays, you know, because he's, he is one of their better midfielders for Chelsea. But you've got the abundance of, of riches in the England squad, and yet he seems to be getting in ahead of people like um, Phil Foden. I'm trying not to be too biased, but Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, you know, who's starting ahead of Marcus Rashford, who I'm not a massive fan of. I've never have been for different reasons. I don't think he's as good as everyone says he is. But he proved against uh, against Wales and Phil Foden that Mason Mount shouldn't be anywhere near the starting eleven. And I I am not a huge fan of Jordan Henderson. I don't think he is as good as he was. I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. But he really gave us that intensity that was required against Wales. And he does that better than than Mason Mount as well. And I think Mason Mount's tournament is. Um, it's over. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. You know, I wouldn't have Henderson anywhere near an England starting eleven, but I'd start him every single time over Mason Mount, over what I've seen from from the pair of them. You know, it's there. I could tell you what every, you know, midfielder and attacker has going for them in that England team, but I couldn't tell you for Mason Mount. You know, uh, Rashford has direct pace and running. Foden and Grealish are both absolute talents on the ball and can make things happen. Saka's a workhorse and 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 Scott end product. Raheem is not always amazing, but he's always got that burst of pace and that ability to finish. You know, I don't I don't know what Mason Mount has. I genuinely don't. No, no. Well, uh, it's going to be quite an interesting one because uh in the aftermath of the Iran game, the Athletic ran a piece, the headline of which was ignore flashier players and Mason Mount is undroppable for England and Chelsea. So one of these things is going to be proven wrong. You know, either his tournament is going to be over or this Athletic piece is going to be rebuffed. And I guess we'll find out against Senegal because he could have just been left out of that final group game because Southgate does like does like to chop and change. And it was the last game and England were pretty much through and blah, blah, blah. But if he's left up for two games in a row, then he's been dropped. I think it's probably fair to say. And we'll see, know on Sunday. See, yeah, because that's, that's, that's the thing. If England were, could have gone through now, and if we were playing a France or an Argentina or a Spain now, then we know what kind of game we're going to play. I'd, I'd, I'd expect him to play someone like Mason's job is to break things up. But because we're going to be playing against the Senegal, who they may have the mentality of there's, they've got nothing to lose. So they're going to just attack us, or it's going to be, you know, two banks of two banks of four with a the lone striker or whatever, and it's going to be tough to break down. So that's where I'd play, you know, Foden to get out of those situations. But I guess we'll see. Anyway, I think we could probably spend quite a long time on on England and. Uh... <laughs> Too much. Yeah, yeah. We, we only we, we only have so much time this evening, so we'll move us on to to Group C. Uh, Argentina and and Saudi. Is that really where the the tournament actually woke up? I mean, obviously England had put six past Iran by then, but uh, there's there's nothing quite like an upset to really put the cat amongst the pigeons. It was a mad one. I, I was sitting there. It was it was the ten o'clock game, wasn't it? So <laughs> I'll sit there while I should be working. And I'll be honest, most of these games that have been on while I've been working, I, I've generally got on with work most of the time. Uh, that one I was glued to. You know, it was just insane. I mean, Argentina looked like they were going to blow them away. You, you wondered what Saudi were doing in the first half. The flag just saved them time and time again. And yes, they probably were all offside, but they were all very close. 
they rode their luck, but then came out in the second half and it was like, what on earth is happening here? And not for the not for the last time during the group stage that I sat there and watched the second half of football and said that, but that was the first one. And yeah, you know, they were good value for their win. It it wasn't a a lucky win and hold uh, you know, a lucky goal and hold on. They they were the better team in that second half and like they blew Argentina away and at that point you're thinking, oh, here it goes again for them. It's like Argentina thought that it was a complete foregone conclusion the second half because they got the win and they may have had the win taken out of the sails after the, the couple of disallowed goals, which, yeah, they, they were offside because they were, one of them's obviously very annoying when it's the shoulder. It's like they, they came in at half time and they just thought, yeah, we've, we've got this in the bag. Don't, don't, don't overdo it. It's only Saudi Arabia. But full, full credit. Their manager is mental. I can't remember his name at the Have top of my head, but he's, he's, yeah. that's the one. He's been there a few times with a few different countries, and every time I've seen him, I've thought he's one of the scariest people I've ever seen. <laughs> I won't want to yes. play for him when I'm playing badly. No. But um, I think fully, fully deserved. Um, the victory was, was great, because you could see the game plan in that they would just, you know, they would, they would try and sit back, and they played a very, very high line in the first half, which is how Argentina managed to get themselves in behind so many times. And then second half, they've they've still kept the high line, but it was a high press, as opposed to just playing a high line in behind, and, and Argentina couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's a strange one. They, they didn't really set the world alight in the next two games either, but, you know, in the end, won them both comfortably. And... Again, I think um, almost like you were saying about the Dutch, Bobby. They, I think, that's probably more to do with the quality of their opponent. I mean, Poland, I think, are Rotten. comfortably, Rotten. comfortably the worst of the teams I've seen that have made it to the next, uh, the next stage. They could get themselves very, very lucky. You know, I wasn't watching the Mexico game, but I was sitting there hoping. Uh, I hope, I hope Mexico score another one because. Well, they don't really have the the strikers that they've historically had. At least they had a bit more interesting stuff to them than, than Poland, who, yeah, I think they could count themselves very lucky. And I think Saudi Arabia can count themselves very unlucky after beating Argentina that they're going home because they, they, they were fun to watch. I suppose we should jump in at this point and say that until the 95th minute of the Saudi-Mexico game, that group was going to be decided on yellow cards. So Poland were going through on fair play points. Uh, so do Mexico basically have to have the hands up and say that they really pay for not taking advantage of the domination of that Poland game? I mean, they had so much of the ball, so much of the possession, so many more kind of shots and opportunities. But I don't know how many of them were really great opportunities and maybe they should have done better. Well, Achoa kept them in it in in the end, in the, in the Poland game. It was a goalless draw, but... Um, Lewandowski had a penalty which was saved by Ochoa so um, Poland can themselves probably think they're a little bit hard done by as well I think that game was very much a um, back and forth sort of from what I can remember the other week if Poland had won it they probably deserved it if Mexico had won it they probably deserved it so a Poland I completely agree with you they are the worst team that have come come out of the groups that I've that I've gone through, they play Lewandowski like he's prime Andy Carroll. 
I don't get yeah. it. Like they don't play to his strengths at all. They don't. All they do is you, you think that's all they've got. That's all they've but, got. Yeah. They've got then the thing is, I mean, they've got they've got Matty Cash, who's as Polish as I am, and um, <laughs> he, he's playing for him. Who he's fine, you know, you know, he's he's fine. And you got Chesney, good who, keeper, um, yeah. who's still a decent keeper. He's still a decent keeper. That double save in the Saudi Arabia game with the for the penalty oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was was amazing. Probably kept Poland in it completely the whole tournament. And um, but yeah, they 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 get the ball. And they lamp it up to Lewandowski, and they pray. And you know, they got the rub of the green against they got the rub of the green against Saudi Arabia in the end. But so so poor. Yeah, I'm quite a fan of Matty Cash for obvious reasons. So uh, quite glad to see them do it. But there's not really a lot else. Don't worry, I checked my family tree just to see if I still had a chance. Uh, so anyway, uh, that is kind of Group C. Uh, it did sort of calm down there, and I mean, surely they can't, they can't go any further, right? France in the next round, and we'll get on to France, and it's not uh, not as rosy as it could have been, but surely that's that's the end of it for them. I think it's the end of the line for Poland. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I, can't I think France will blow away. You know, I, I can't see any way, shape, or form they beat France. But, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. But, yeah, very unlikely. France okay. has to have a really off day. OK, so we'll move on to Group D then and then start to talk about France. Uh, before we do, I suppose we should add that um, Denmark come in on the back of a decent Euros, which wasn't that long ago, and reasonably well fancied as an organised team rather than as a team full of superstars. But they flopped and, and they finished bottom of the group. France... They did what they've had to do here, but I mean, they they do look beatable there, and, and they got beat by by Tunisia despite the controversy at the end. Uh, so it kind of puts a a spanner in the works of those people who are saying that uh, even with the injuries, they had to be one of the favourites to win the thing. Uh you see, I don't think so. I, I think based on what I've seen in the groups, France are still favourites for this World Cup in my mind. Um, it's always hard to tell when a team's won two games and then they lose the last one just quite what that means it can derail momentum of course but obviously you know changes were made pressure was off it's always a strange situation that so yeah of course they always want to win but it's hard to read too much into that you know and we'll be saying that for another couple of teams um as we go along they won their first two games they won their first two games quite comfortably despite you know, going behind early on against Australia. You know, at the moment they equalised, that that result was never in doubt. And, yeah, well, I guess Denmark did give them a bit of run, a run for their money. But, I don't know. Again, did I ever really think uh, Denmark were going to win that game? I guess they took it to very close to the end. But, you know, they weren't impressive at all, Denmark, I don't think, throughout this tournament. No, you know, certainly not. They were like the last Denmark team that I saw play before in a competitive match before that unfortunate Christian Eriksen incident or fortunate maybe Christian Eriksen incident that it did happen where it happened. Um, but yeah, they 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 were awful in that game as well. And yeah, it, it's... Um, you know, they, they found a little something after that, whether it was a, the group togetherness, let's do it for Ericsson and, and made a good run of it. 
in the Euros, but yeah, that, they they weren't very good in this group, and I think yeah, France pretty comfortable in the end. Last group game, I didn't watch the the French game. I was watching the uh, the Australia Australia Denmark game, which you know Australia were good value for their win there. Yeah, I was talking to my friend from uh, from school. He's he's Danish. Well, his his father is his father is from Denmark. So he takes an avid interest in both England and Denmark um, as football teams. And I was just talking to him about Denmark in general, um, the the team. And I've I was because I told him I said I've been re- I've I've personally been really disappointed by Denmark and I'm not even Danish, so I don't know how you feel. And he says he said basically the same thing that you've just said, uh, Maz, in the sense that they they were riding the wave of momentum of togetherness and, and grief during the Euros to get them to the semi-finals, and then since then, but since then Ericsson's come back and they beat France twice in the Nations League. Don't forget over, over the summer. So you'd think they'd have some sort of you know um, wave of momentum and they know how to play against France, but They've been they've been really poor. Ericsson still hasn't found top form just yet. Dolberg's not even getting a start. You got Braithwaite playing up front, so I guess that kind of sums them up, really. Yeah, they think they'd be really disappointed, um, Denmark, with their obviously they've gone out, but they'll be really disappointed with how they've performed as a whole. Completely outplayed by Australia, who whilst they've gone through, and that's great for Australia, it's really good for them. They've, they're they're nothing to write home about. In terms of entertainment, Poland are the worst team. But in terms of probably actual teams, Australia is probably the weakest. And they managed to get past Denmark and Tunisia as well. Um, Tunisia were no mugs. They 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 weren't no pushovers. So um, Australia have done a really great thing. Yes. Yeah. I spoke about possession and shots and, and whatnot in the Senegal-Ecuador game and the Mexico-Poland game. It's just in the interest of fairness, I suppose I should point out as well. Uh, Australia, 31% possession and fewer shots than Denmark in that game. But Denmark had 10 of their shots off target. So uh, 50% of Australia's were on target. So whatever they were actually able to do with the limited amount of ball they had, it does seem that actually... They were more effective with it. Um, I was going to ask if um, Australia had done well to come back from that battering they got in the opening game from France to go through, or whether it was just because the group was weak. But it does sound like, actually, with it, Maz obviously thinks France is still one of the favourites, but it does actually seem that maybe there isn't actually a tremendous amount in this group. No, uh, yeah, I think France were comfortably um, comfortably the best team in the group. But yeah, I think between Denmark, Tunisia, and, and Australia, there certainly wasn't a great huge deal and I think it's uh, Australia's it, it's fun to watch I think I think you get a kick out of watching Australia actually Pete they're very old school British 4-4-2 set up you know strong centre forwards strong centre halves wingers who go down the line it, it, it's very very early 90s Premier League team they're very uh, um, they, they remind me they're very Leicester yeah they're very structured they're very well drilled. They've not got the best players, but they managed to get the results. They managed to get things over the line. And I think the race has run. They're going to do the corner up against Argentina, which we'll talk about in a minute. But 
I think they'll have a, they'll enjoy the day out. They'll give off, they'll give Argentina a, a tough time, but I think, I think, I think that's probably as far as it'll go. Yeah, they're not going to roll over against that, and they didn't roll over against the French, did they? Even though they were four-one down, they still gave it a good shot. So yeah, I wouldn't expect them to roll over against anyone. But yeah, again, you know, we're, we're talking about a country who get into the second round of the World Cup is an absolutely monumental achievement for them. So they'll be very, very happy. And you know, once that pressure's off, you know, they're not going to be expected to win it. Whereas, you know what the anticipation in Argentina is going to be like. So all that pressure in that game's on Argentina and not them. And there's going to be a few games like that in the second round. So you absolutely, know. absolutely. And the, and the, and the good and the good thing about Australia, which makes it a bit a bit of a feel good moment, is who've they got? Like who who is their who is their superstar? Because they used to have Schwarzer, Harry Kuehl, Tim Cahill, Mark Viduka. You know they had all they had they, they always had at least one marquee footballer, and their best players Aaron Moy. Yeah, they're, they're very working right now, aren't they? Yeah. I don't even know where he plays now without looking it up. Celtic. Oh, is he at Celtic? Oh, yeah. yeah, they've got a lad at um, Hellas Verona. He's probably be the most marquee name I would have thought. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm just looking through the team list now. I mean, that's it. it. Lad who plays for Verona, and yeah. you know the fact that you know he's a lad that plays for Verona, but you don't know his <laughs> name, kind of says it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna, at least, that, at least I, that Aaron looking, Moy was part of the City Football Group. I just remember that. Just looking through the list now, and there's a lot of uh, Scottish Premier League or Premiership, as they call it now, and there's a uh, there's a few players from the the lower <laughs> low leagues of English football, and there's quite a lot of players that still play in the what do they call it the A League. So yeah, it, it's not the team that reached the quarter final way back when, is it? No, no, there there won't be huge expectation on them. You know, they've they've probably done very well just to get here and to get through that group. That's an, an excellent job an excellent job so you know like you say you've got nothing to lose at this point go out there have some fun who knows what's going to happen all right then let's move on to group e and this is the mad group isn't it um japan come through as the surprise group winners in the end i think costa rica could probably consider themselves very unlucky this is i mean this is what their third world cup in a row and they'd be generally speaking quite expecting to go through with the kind of results that they've had uh Spain, I mean, people were talking about them being unstoppable at one point, and now they don't end up not winning the group. Well, first of all, I want to talk about Germany. They okay. are abysmal. So it's um, just before you do, just a, just a bit of context. This is obviously the first tournament under Hansi Flick, who's taken over after the very long spell of Yogi Love, and they were obviously disastrously bad in the final days of the Love regime, but it sounds like they haven't moved on at all. Well, absolutely. I, I, did, I did have a bit of a, a statistic prepared for you, which I don't know if you see. I mean, Maz follows me on Twitter. You might have seen me, seen me put it. I put it last night. Germany have been losing at le- for at least a little bit of the game in their last 11 tournament matches. They've been losing all of them at least for a few minutes. Wow. So that's all the way back until the semi-final when they lost to France in Euro 2016. In every tournament match since then, they've been losing the game at some point. And that just goes to show that they've they've not kept a clean sheet since Euro 2016 at a tournament. And this is crazy to me because 
I always grew up with, you know, you didn't want to play against the Germans. They're very efficient. They're very structured. They know how to play tournaments. Um, well, we're, we're a lot older than so you. Poor. We haven't started watching World Cups in 2002, and we've grown up on that as well. So that is... I just want people to know that, yeah, that might be my first World Cup, but I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> I do watch everything. But yeah, no, it, it's it's not like Germany at all. You know, I mean, I've seen worse Germany teams than this get to the final of a World Cup fight. You know, player for player. The 2002 team. Yeah, yeah, quite. You know, I I don't think you take this player for player and see they're any worse. But they've lost. They seem to have lost what makes them Germany. What makes them feared as a big tournament team. You look down this list of players and you don't think, now they're rubbish now. You know, there are some excellent, excellent players, you know, front to back in this team. Maybe lacking a an out-and-out out striker. The thing is, I don't understand but, about them. Yeah. But, you know, they're strong defenders, strong midfielders, strong defensive midfielders, strong midfielders who can get forward, strong people who can play in wider positions. It's But you don't fear them. Do you fear do you fear Germany? If we drew against them in the next round, would you fear them? And I wouldn't. No. I be honest, I don't really we fear anyone. Them, when we played them in the Euros last year and we beat them at Wembley, I think that was probably the moment where I thought we're a better footballing nation than Germany now. Because they they were heavily reliant on Thomas Muller, who is probably this is one tournament too far for Muller. He's he's really slowed down. Um, I don't think they've got they've not got that killer instinct no, striker. What they definitely they, lack. Yeah, they've not got a clean. You know, or, 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 or a closer you know? or a, yeah. Or they've, not got, they've not got that. Yeah. yeah. So I, if I could jump in uh, a sec as well. Basically, it sounds like they're paying for the successes of winning the the World Cup in 2014 because that team that really Germany had like a big identity crisis around the same time that England did they just recovered a bit faster uh, and turned things around in that kind of 2006-2012 period and they did it by getting rid of a lot of the assumptions about what it meant to be German and by playing by what the game kind of said you had to play uh, we've sort of done that with, that with England as well over the last few years, and we've seen more results too. But the problem has kind of become that everybody else has copied them and moved on in the same direction. So that old thing of those kind of German characteristics, that's actually quite hard to do when you no longer have the players, but everybody else is doing the things that you've learned as well. So you don't have weak teams that you can kind of pick up on just by being Germany and tough to beat. That, that doesn't exist anymore. But they had to unwrite all that in order to build a team that could go and win the World Cup and stop being the team that lost 5-1 in Munich. <laughs> uh, you know, and but that was the kind of narrative that they had in Germany in that early part of that millennium. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, it does sound like that maybe that's gone. That's just not who they are now. But all that long kind of span of in the same way that we don't really think of ourselves in England as the you know, lion hearted you know, box-to-box midfielders, get the crosses in. We don't think of ourselves that way anymore. We think of ourselves as a good footballing nation, in inverted commas. Uh, maybe that's kind of... We've seen a similar thing play out with Germany, perhaps, and now they're going to have the realisation of what happens when 
that group of players ages out and there isn't another as talented group there to take their place. You can't just dig in and out German everybody. It's not all old, though, is it? That's the thing. You'd think, you know, a lot of these groups, uh, a lot of these teams we're looking out that have gone out maybe a little bit unexpectedly in the first round. You know, you look at, well, it's into their time, but there's a a mix in this. Yes, they've got some older players in here, but they've got younger ones. They've got players that are in the prime of their career. You know, they've they've got a decent mix of, uh, of ages and stuff like that. I just feel they... They don't seem to have an identity as a footballing nation. You know, very, very few of them play outside Germany now. Whereas if you look at the team that was winning the World Cup, uh, they were quite a lot of them would be play, playing at Madrid. Uh, you know, playing in the Premier League. There's a, there's a handful, and not all that many of them are actually still at Bayern either, compared with what it has been in the past. And some of the ones who are are the likes of Neuer, Muller. A lot of the younger the players are. Ones, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the younger ones are playing at Eintracht Frankfurt, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Dortmund, who are not the force that they were a few years ago. Uh, Freiburg, you know, these are they're struggling to replace a very talented generation, I think. I completely agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the smaller nations, a lot of their players don't play in their domestic leagues because they're not up to standard. But, you know, the Bundesliga, is, 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 is the domination of Bayern Munich over the last decade, has that been a contributing factor to the to the decline of the German national team? Because if you've got these German footballers who are staples of Bayern Munich, like you said, Neuer, Muller, Musiala, who's coming through now, Leroy Sane, who's there. I mean, they're 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 all starters for for the German national team, but then. The re- the rest of the squ- the rest of the team has got to be got to be filled, and you know aside from people like Ilkay Gundogan, who doesn't start every week for City, Kai Havertz who's in and out of form, like you say that they're filling up the rest of the spots with with players uh, who are playing for quote unquote lesser teams in in Germany, so it's it's it's, it's interesting concept it's an interesting thought about um about the way that the Bundesliga is as a league right now. So from one of the heavyweights in this group to the other, uh, Spain obviously ran rampant against Costa Rica and then got the draw that basically all but put them through against Germany. Uh, but maybe given what we're saying, they should have gone on to, they should have beat Germany, should have held on, obviously conceding late, blew that, and then they go and lose in the final game to Japan. Uh, is that last game? One of these, it's a final game, they're almost through, don't worry about it. Or is it actually an indication that Spain are too flawed to go really deep and trouble the, the whole thing? I think it's a bit of both. I think the, the thing is, at one point, Spain were going out you know, for a very brief moment. But I don't know if, if Spain was so confident in the fact that Germany would be, what's it called? Because, you know, let's face it, finishing second in that group, Probably a good thing for Spain. But you're not going to do it. You know, I was saying earlier that it's kind of like England the last time out. Finishing second in that group was the best way to go for us. However, you know, you're not going to do that on purpose. But I also think sometimes maybe there's a little something in the back of your mind. But you watch them play. They they were trying to get back into that game against Japan. No doubt about it. I don't know what to make of this Spain team. I can't put a finger on it they just blew Costa Rica away 
being able to play their style of game, you know, I think they probably should have won that Germany game. But couldn't quite put it away. And then they, they, they looked comfortable against Japan at half-time. And Japan just came out in the second half and blew them away, exactly like they did to, to Germany. So I, I can't... I, I'm not sure how good this... Um, Spain team were and I had a very similar issue with them in the uh, in the Euros as well Gavi and Pedri are both very very talented players they look about 12 the pair of them physically (laughs) but there's clearly a lot of talent there you know I think they probably lack a little bit of the dark arts that they had at the back in in previous years I think that could be their downfall more than the old I mean it, it, it's forever been the Spanish thing in this this era hasn't it you know this uh, last 20 years that you know they, they don't really have that number nine they've got Morata who's who's banged in a couple you know he's looked like he's he's had those chances without ever looking like he's an absolute world beater but you know he's perfectly serviceable if he's getting a good um, distribution which you know, that is what that Spanish team is going to do. You know, they're going to create, they're going to create, they're going to create chances. Whether they can put them away and whether they can hold on to leads in, in tougher games is is where the question mark is. I mean, I completely agree with you, actually, in terms of I don't know what to make of Spain. They've, they're, a very, they're a very even mixture of they've got some really good, exciting players. They play some lovely football, merge with... I don't really know what the guilt, what the goal is here. I mean, they've, like you say, Pedri and and, and Gavi are, you know, the the hype is that they're, they're Iniesta and Javi clones, and you know it's a bit early yet, um, but I really like them both. But then you still, Spain is still relying on Alvaro Morata up front to score them the goals, who I've never really been a fan of. I've never liked him. To be honest, I don't know what it is about him. I just don't think he's as good as people say. Um, he scored in all three group games, so what do I know? But um, and then they're playing, you know, injuries aren't going to help them because they're playing Rodri at centre back. Who, you know, if you've ever seen Rodri play centre back for City, it's something you don't really want him to do. He can do it, but you'd rather not. So I think Spain. I think who've they got in the next round? Is it Morocco? I think they'll uh, yeah they'll do right. okay. And then I think if I'm if my uh, mind looks at the bracket in my mind's eye, I'm pretty sure they would play Brazil potentially. I don't know. Uh, you've probably got it there. Um, yeah. So um, Spain, Morocco, the winners of that game will play the winners of Portugal and Switzerland. You see, I can see a bit of dark arts from Portugal in that game if they if they win their respective games. See, if Spain played against Portugal today, I I would I would put my money on Portugal actually. So it'd be interesting. Yeah, I I, I think I'd agree with you. It, it's very much like the experienced um, shit house beating <laughs> beating the the up and coming youngster who. Uh, who's got all the talent in the world, but just isn't as smart about it as they are. I, you know, we'll get on to Portugal momentarily, I'm sure, but I worry, uh, 
I worry, you know, I, I worry about their path here. Mm. <laughs> I mean, wasn't, wasn't that Spain's issue in the Euros was ultimately a bit of naivety, if I'm remembering right? Well, yeah, it, it was a shootout, wasn't they? And you know, yeah. it was. <laughs> It, it was it was old uh, Cialini laughing like hell when he was going into the shootout. It was, it's like he won it there and then with some dark arts in 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 the coin toss, to be honest. And, and Spain could have actually gone out of the tournament earlier than that. They 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 were taken to the wire by Croatia. Um, and it, only, mm. it took it took extra time and tired legs against Croatia to to actually to get over the line into that yeah. game against. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the quarterfinals. So into the game against uh, Italy. Uh, yeah. That, that was the round of 16 because oh, they yeah. they had that game where they almost got upset by Switzerland in the quarterfinals. Um, oh, of course, they and won uh, penalties again, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they went through a couple of games where they'd been a little bit fortunate and then outplayed so, Italy for uh, for long stretches of the semi. And so, so it'll be interesting to see actually about how they progressed as a, as a country, having needed extra time to beat Croatia, beating Switzerland on penalties, losing to Italy on penalties. And in this tournament, they've they've they battered Costa Rica, they who were dreadful on the day, but they didn't beat Germany and they lost to Japan, controversy or whatever you want, which it isn't a controversy by the way, if, before we get into that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they uh, how they get on as they go into the yeah. tournament a little bit further. Very young team, it's 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 hard to say, but you know they've got that bit more experience from year and a half ago now i guess um and that's probably quite a lot when it comes to particularly uh, a lot of those young midfielders you know we're talking a year and a half of them is like doubling their their first team career so well like a year yeah. and a half ago pedri and gavi were like 16 weren't they yeah yeah it feels like it <laughs> so yeah but i mean you know you can't talk about this group without talking about japan and <laughs> absolutely amazing amazingly coming from behind against Germany and against Spain to beat them both 2-1. I mean, what odds could you have had on that before the tournament started? Imagine if you were a Japanese football fan and just before the tournament started, you were asked, you're going to lose one game in this tour- in this group stage. Which one do you think it's going to be? And uh, <laughs> you're going to win the other two. I just don't think anyone would have believed would have believed you. I mean, the German the Germany game was very much a reminder of the Saudi Arabia Saudi uh, yeah. Argentina game the other couple of days beforehand. You think that it's a bit of a foregone conclusion, and then it's just completely changed on his head. And what I've actually really found impressive is that the manager hasn't um, shown his hand in the sense that he. He's done the same tactic in the two games against Spain and, and Germany, and he lets the game go on, and then he'll he'll bring his substitutes on to stretch the game and to give us that extra burst of energy, and um, and it's worked for them um, in those games. The Costa Rica game I was watching in my sick bed last Saturday when I was uh, when I was uh, not feeling too well so I thought I'd watch a bit of football and I thought hey, Japan they've got a really great opportunity and and they and they end up getting beat to Costa Rica which was surprising so for them to dust themselves down and to come back and to win that game last night um, you know all, all credit to them 
Yeah, especially after that Costa Rica game, and you know, you you, you thought even Germany with one point, you thought, well, you know, despite them beating Germany, they're going to miss out. But yeah, they they weren't buying that um, narrative at all. And fair play to them, they they were a lot of fun to watch. Can we just do a one uh, a one word yes or no? Was the ball in or out? Yes or no? Was it out? Uh, I I've not seen no, based on me not seeing a conclusive angle where it's a hundred percent out on what the rule is today. Oh, thank you. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, it's one of those where um, this may be a very rugby answer, but it's it's so close. It's what the ref calls it. That's my kind of answer. To be honest, if they called it in, it's in. The ref the ref called it. The ref disallowed it though. That's what's interesting and what people got have got an uproar about mm. is the fact. So that soon, I, I hear Simes is still like <laughs> shaking right now. He's blaming Paul Pogba. Yeah. <laughs> Pogba's in the VAR room. <laughs> it was it was given it was the goal was ruled out and they gave a goal kick. So it was actually the people in the VAR room who have awarded that goal by saying that there's no conclusive evidence in the angles that they've been provided with to say that the ball was was uh, was out. Um but I was all, I was I've been thinking all day. Surely they should be trying to prove that the ball is in. Because yeah. the goal was ruled out for a goal kick. Yeah. So yeah, surely yeah, they should have been looking yeah, yeah. at some conclusive evidence that the ball was in play, not the ball yeah. was out of play. Yeah, that's so, uh, that, again. that's again that's a very rugby kind of take on it. It's, you know, once the referee's given a decision, you have to prove that he's wrong in order to overturn it. Uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where me, I'm old school. You know, I don't I don't know what the rules are. Half of football rules are this day and age. You know, 20 years ago, I knew exactly what the interpretation was of everything but it changes so much now and i don't really care <laughs> to be honest i certainly don't care enough to try and keep up with it but you know my mind was always well if the ball has touched the floor the other side of the line it's out of play and i think that's how a lot of people looked at that incident but if it is you know as what is clearly the case uh, after all the discussions that you know was the belly of the ball if you like yeah. uh, the curvature what is it they're calling it i don't know yeah was that in line with it i think that's very hard to disprove or prove either way because if you look at it at a slight angle one way or the other you can prove it either way very easily on something well, that close and if it's that close yeah well, the, the, thing, the thing is someone made a great valid point if that was goal line technology it would not have been given as a goal. And they're the fine yeah. margins that you're playing with, aren't you? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think uh, as as three, uh, three Englishmen here who remember Lampard's shot, don't <laughs> think we're going to get too upset about it. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. No, it, it was certainly a lot closer than that one. Certainly was. Uh, it's going to move us on because we've still got three groups to get through. So uh, we'll, I think we can do Group F quite quickly, though. Uh, Come to Belgium in a minute because there might be more to say there. But uh, in the end, it's Morocco who end up winning the group. I didn't see anybody predict that in the the run up to the tournament, despite Ziyech being being part of this side. Uh, Croatia end up sneaking through as well, and this is a again a bit of an odd Croatia team, a bit of a 
old and new coming together are quite how well stitched together they are I'm not sure um do you fancy either of them against Spain and Japan um Morocco uh yeah um why not yeah why not so Morocco against Spain and Croatia against Japan I believe is the round of 16 games I think Morocco if they just keep playing the way that they've played and they and they take it to they're definitely in a position of they've got nothing to lose. People didn't expect them to get to to the next round, you know, you know, even even so to, to top the group. I think they'll be a bit they'll be a bit miffed in the fact that they've done the hard work and they've topped the group and they've got to play Spain. But uh, yeah, why not? I think if they if they knuckle down and they and they work as hard as they did against the Belgian team, who less they're nothing to write home about Belgium. I don't even get started on them. But yeah, they can give them a good go. I can see it very much being like if they apply themselves as much as Japan did against Spain, then they give them they, they, they give them some problems. Yeah, they've they've got a lot of talent, you know, in in the wide areas at, at fullback and you know further up the pitch. And I think that is if they can get in behind, if they can cause uh, Spain some some trouble down the flanks, then they've certainly got nothing to fear. They're not going to go in as favourite. Everyone will expect Spain uh, to to win the game, but I don't think. Don't think it's going to be an easy one. But like I say, I still don't know what you know. I don't know what Spain are. You know, I think this will be a very good. I think it'll be a very interesting test for Spain. This, you know, if Spain can go out and and beat this Morocco team comfortably, you can turn around and say, well, yeah, right, okay, this team's not to be messed with. If they struggle and get through, yeah, those question marks are going to remain. But Morocco have got a chance to put them out here. They, they've got a huge chance to get to a a quarter final, and. I don't think it would be a massive shock if they if they beat Spain. You said don't get you started on Belgium, but I suppose we have to touch them on a bit because uh, we know this isn't the Belgian team at their peak, right? Uh, more than half, well, maybe not more than half, more than a third of the squad is over 30. Uh, there's seven or eight players with more than 100 caps. This is clearly a team on the, the way down, a team that's past its peak. But this was a group that, gave the possibility of one last run for their golden generation, you know, one last tournament to to try and do something. They've, you have to say that looking at the group and the teams that are in there with them, for them to go in the opening round, this is them throwing that away. Absolutely. I mean, they're just apathetic. They're just, they're, I, I was talking to my... Um, my dad yesterday after we, he, he was watching the game and we went to go and see him and... Uh, they're just pathetic as a nation. They're so petty. Um, you know, you've got the infighting, which has been reported. Well, how, how true it is, you, you don't really know. But they, if there was ever a bald fraud in football, the real bald fraud, his name is Roberto Martinez. How can he possibly be given the job of Belgian manager and looking after those players, their golden generation, and he's got nothing to show for it. Absolutely nothing. And it's wasted. It, it's th- These players have been have been wasted. He's been manager for six years. So he's had De Bruyne, Hazard, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Lukaku, Courtois, Castagna. He's had all these players for six years. And there's nothing to him. There's absolutely nothing about him. It's good for me. As a City fan, as Kevin De Bruyne gets a nice holiday now before this, the fixtures restart again in a couple of weeks, but just dire. 
yeah, they're, they're, they're not a team. They don't look like a team. You know, I, I think the problem is you, you've had players here, you know, Hazard's, he's gone. He's not, he's not a player anymore. I'm actually kind of surprised he got game time in this World Cup because he, he is an absolute spent force. It's like the moment he went to Real, that was it. <laughs> it was... It, it, it was over for him, which is quite sad because, you know, he wasn't old by any means at that point. I think, you know, the, if 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 I'm in charge now of taking over Belgium, you know, I dump all the dead wood, I rebuild it and I rebuild it around De Bruyne because that's what you have to do. And I think because it's a golden generation, because Hazard has been so good at points, because Lukaku can be at points and you've got so much interest in talent, I don't think that mentality is there. But that's what you have to do because De Bruyne is the one player in that Belgian squad who is world class currently. None of the others are, not even close to it at this point. Others have been, others might be at points, but you you build that around De Bruyne. I, I don't understand how you get to this point and you don't because yeah, it, it, it's crazy to me. If there is a problem with that, it's that. De Bruyne himself is over 30, so it's you're only going to get a couple of years out of this new team with him at the centre as well. So it's a it's a real um, conundrum of, of how to actually go about rebuilding Belgium as a side that is actually going to do anything for the foreseeable future. I mean, there's possibly, no... but I, I I I can see it wouldn't surprise me to see De Bruyne playing at a high level the way Modric is for for Real Madrid because he's more that type of player, an intelligent player who's crafting everything around him, as opposed to necessarily having the legs to run in behind people, etc. Okay, so you think maybe you could get two more World Cups out of him, potentially? Uh, um, two might be a stretch, but certainly one. And, you know, oh, the whole idea of building towards, you know, huge generations, um, I don't buy that much into it. You live for the moment, you know, you live for the moment and your best players and... I certainly think he's going to be their best player. You know, he's going to be Belgium's best player for a, probably at least until the next World Cup on this. Uh, an absolute stud starts coming through. Um, can we uh, can we address the the elephant in the room um, from that game yesterday? Romelu Lukaku. Now I know I'm going to start off by saying that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that he has been injured. And he's not match fit and he's a bit shaky. But Jesus Christ. Um four, at least four, huge opportunities yesterday. All he had to, all he had to do was put it in the net. It, it very much reminded me of um a season we talked about not too long ago on this show, and it was that Andy Cole game. Um, when Blackburn won the league last day of the season, Andy Cole against West Ham. Oh, and he could have had a hat trick himself. Yeah, it it was, you know, yes, he's injured, he's probably not that sharp and stuff like this, but, you know, it's, you're a striker, that's your bread and butter, some of those chances, and, you know, bounced off him, didn't follow him properly, maybe, it's your day. Another day he would have easily scored a hat trick there. But, but the thing the thing is that doesn't the thing is that makes it so baffling is that if you are a striker who is not 100% fit um and not expected to do the the 
the the groundwork to to get in behind and stuff like that. You probably he's probably been doing a lot of you know well, finishing fini- yeah. finishing drills in the six yard box. Well, if he has, if he has, it's not been good enough. And if he hasn't, then what has he been doing? Because all all of those chances were all within six to eight yards of the goal, and they were all off target. I think and maybe one was on target. Um, it's just not acceptable to me, as you know, someone who you know when you when I when I played football growing up, and I'm I'm not even anywhere near Sunday League good. But what I mean is that you take pride in being able to finish from close range, and he just. He he he's. Well, he knows that. You could tell by his reaction after the game. It weren't like, oh well, he was absolutely devastated. He knew. He knew 100. Well, that, that's the thing that I'm trying to say is that he's given himself this reputation in the eyes of the football world that he is a big lump and he's not as good as he says he is. So he's not helped himself. He's not helped his cause yesterday because this is going to haunt him. I think. Yeah. I th- I think even I think even if they managed to scrape through last night, I think who would they've who would they've played? Would they've won the group if they'd have uh, won? Maybe. Maybe. Ooh, so they would have played. They would have, they, they would have played. Potentially, they probably would have played Spain, and I think Spain would have, would have walked them anyway. Yeah, yeah, they. They. No, no, no. Morocco would have still topped the group, didn't they? Because Morocco. Yeah. Beat. Um. So they'd have played Japan. They'd have played Japan, and you know, I mean, that's the interesting thing. It's Croatia now that's playing Japan, and you do wonder, you know, I, I think if you base it on what you've seen so far this tournament, you know, I, I think purely if you've never seen these football teams and you don't know anything about reputations or anything, you'd fancy Japan. But you know, there's you, you've still got an extremely intelligent Modric pulling the strings in there, and he's got some uh, good players around him as well. You know, they they aren't a weak team. They're they're not what they were certainly four years ago. But you know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough tough one for Japan uh, to pull off another upset. I think. Let's move uh, on to uh, to Group G because there's still two more to go, and yeah. you know with this getting later and later. Uh, group G, uh, the Swiss have made the knockout stage again. They won't be pushovers for anyone. Uh, Mbolo is going to be a threat no matter who they come up against in the tournament, uh, and it's five in a row now actually that they've made the the knockout stages if you count Euros and World Cups. So that's you know very different from the Switzerland I was used to growing up. Uh, Serbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's quite a quite a thing. Serbia might regret throwing away that three-one lead against Cameroon in the end. You would have fancied them to see that game out, but I guess Group G is really all about Brazil at the end of the day. Uh, the team that a lot of people have made favourites, uh, probably for the first time in twenty years. Yeah, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure why they're good. You know, they're certainly up amongst them. I, I don't, I don't see how. At any point, you'd have them as favourites um, when France are in this tournament. Um, they're a good, good team. Is that a, you know? Again, if I, we go back to the Brazil teams that we grew up watching, don't think this comes anywhere near them. Mm. I mean, before the tournament started, I I had Brazil as the winners, um, as did pretty much everyone. 
But having watched them, they've not been that great. They've done what they needed to do in the first two games to get to get out of the to get out of the group. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm much I'd be much more fearful of France than Brazil as of right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've done the job that they've needed to do. They've beaten what's in front of them, you know, relatively comfortably. Again, they've lost they've lost their last game, but they're already through. They've rested players, so you're not quite sure how much you can read into that. Um, you know, I, I still think that, you know, they're probably, having watched everyone, probably second to France. Maybe so. You know, I'm not saying they're rubbish by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I, I do look at these teams, both player for player and as a team, and I, I do see France as the as the one to beat. You know, I just want to point out and say that the um, the Cameroon Serbia game from the other day was that's probably been my favourite game of the tournament. It was so unexpected though, as well, which was, yeah, which was great. Um, I think, so like you said, uh, like you said earlier on, Serbia will be kicking themselves, throwing that two-goal lead away. Um, and if they were winning tonight as well, um, they were winning the game against Switzerland, which and they couldn't hold on to it. So there's probably something there in their own mentalities, the Serbs, and the fact that they couldn't hold on to the, they couldn't hold on to a lead. It's costly. Yeah, yeah. They've they've conceded six goals in those two games. You know, eight in the tournament. Um, you know they, they conceded more against yeah you know, both <laughs> more against both Cameroon and uh, Switzerland than they did against Brazil. You know so there's lack of organisation there and it's cost them cost them dearly in the end. And you know Switzerland's experience and ability to shit house and you know well they are, the experience is is big key you know if they've made the knockout stages five tournaments on the trot that's huge you know they're not a team that you look at and think they've got any absolute stars but you know they've got a lot of good good players they're a good tournament team they are yeah. good they know what it takes to get out and progress they know what to do and like you yeah. say five five tournaments in a row where they've managed to get out of the group stages i mean there's not many countries who can say the same? No, most of the heavyweights wouldn't have as good a record as that. If they failed to qualify for one of those tournaments or gone out in the group stage, you know, England in uh, in the World Cup in 2014, um, Italy have obviously missed a couple of World Cups in a row. You know, there's, there's lots of, of teams that have messed it up. And you think that they might be coming to a bit of a down, an actual downturn with the ages of some of the players like Shakiri and Jacker. Sommer, um, um, Fabian Share, Fabian Share Swiss, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot then. I have to second guess myself. Um, but they seem to to be developing some decent enough players themselves. Fernandez is in there. Brielan Broma is a good player. Dennis Sicaria, while he's not had the chances at Chelsea, he is a good player and is very good for the Swiss. So, um, so, so yeah, I think uh, I think who they probably won't pull up any trees for the tournament going forwards now but you know I I think they'd be happy if you're a Swiss uh, native I'm just looking at how the tournament could shake out on that side of the bracket the, the Brazilian side I should say not the Swiss side and um, you could end up if the favourites win with 
the Netherlands and Argentina in the quarterfinals, and then Brazil versus the winner in the semi-finals, and then. I think I've seen that before. I was going to say it's very <laughs> 1998 because if yeah. obviously they get through, then they could have France in the final. Uh, so it could be very, very 1998. Uh, all right, just to uh, wrap us up, then there's one more group. It's the one with uh, Ronaldo in it. Uh, Portugal are another one of these sides to lose their final game, and that meant that on goal scored, South Korea after beating Portugal went through and. Luis Suarez cried. <laughs> I was watching these games today, um, as uh, you know, as of recording, it's, it's the Friday of the last group stage um, day, and uh, I, like I say, I had the, um, I had both games on my screens. It was the last hour of the day. No one else was in the office, and then I was done. It's Friday, um, so I had. I had the Portugal South Korea game on one screen, Uruguay and Ghana on the other screen, and it was pure chaos. It was absolute chaos. That's 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 one word that I've used to describe a lot of the days we've had recently. It's absolute chaos. You've had to have the calculators out just to make sure that you you can keep up. Can we? Can I just? I just really want to point out and say how amazing the Japanese fans, the South Korean fans, all the African nations, their fans are. I mean, are brilliant because they just they're so passionate and they bring a lot of noise a lot of ambience to a lot of the games and they've got their just rewards for for supporting their country so well yeah i've got to say it, it, it is nicer to see less drunk people in the crowd <laughs> yeah you know it makes, it makes a change doesn't it, it i is. love that I don't know. Uh, I love that yeah. Moroccan fan joining in with the Senegal fans. That was uh, <laughs> everyone's seen that video going around. It's like uh, when your team aren't playing, just join in with someone else's. It's great. That's the way to do it, you know. It's it, it's there, yeah. So yeah, another absolute mad result, and you know, everyone who wanted Ghana to get revenge for that Suarez incident uh, <laughs> a couple of World Cups ago, and yeah, you know it. It wasn't to be. Um, to be fair, Suarez, he did exactly what he had to do with that handball back then, and it was the right thing. And he got his team through. And I think he got his team through again today. You know, he rolled back the years today with his uh, with his cameo. The, le- the legs aren't there anymore, but you know, he he essentially made both goals. That's <laughs> not to take anything away from the lad that scored both goals, because obviously that's that's huge. But you know. Yeah, you know, he, he did a job, got them through, and well, after Ghana missed that penalty, they didn't look like they were coming back. So your only hope was what a chance, eh? What a, what a chance for Ghana, and you've you've blown it. I should point yeah, out though that um, well, we we've said got them through a couple of times. Should point out, gone through the game, not through into the next round. They are out. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, at the time <laughs> it looked like they were going to get through. Yeah, I'm totally lost here. Yeah, see, it's so mad that I've got lost in it. I'm, I'm starting to think three teams have qualified here, which I, I, I take Uruguay and South Korea if you're over uh, Portugal, but that's just me. Um, see, we had a chat. So, we had a chat on Twitter earlier on today, didn't we, about the um, the penalty that wasn't given on yeah. uh, Darwin Nunes. So you think it wasn't, whereas I think it was. Saying that for me, I thought it was a penalty based on the fact that whilst he may have got a glancing blow on the ball with his toe, um, Amate, he 
was he's holding Nunez. He was holding yeah. Nunez on the shoulder, and he's come through him. He's come round him the wrong side. So that's why, if the ref saw it on the replay and then decided to give it, I wouldn't have. I, you know, I would have accepted that. So they may feel a little bit hard done by, but you know, Suarez crying is good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's better that they feel a little bit hard done by it. To be fair, <laughs> you know, it, it makes it that that little bit more. Yeah, good for you. You know, and they they are a horrible team, and, and Portugal are a horrible team as well. They're both diving all over the place, going down on every tackle like they've been shot. Oh god, mm, you know mm. that that Portugal that first Portugal game um, against Ghana, it just apps. I lost my voice shouting at the TV. It just they drove me mad. I can't watch them. I don't know what it is. There's something in the DNA that just absolutely. Well, I just think, think that that um, Ghana player is after he slipped against Portugal in the das in the last second. After he, did yeah. you did you see that beat? He, okay, uh, yeah. The goalkeeper the goalkeeper caught the ball. Diogo Costa caught the ball, but there was a strike. I can't remember which player it was, but he was yeah, in Naki, the goal. He, he was in the goal. Yeah, Naki Williams. That's it. He was in the goal. And Diego Costa's put the ball down to kick it from the floor, and Williams has nipped in in front of him. This is in like the 98th minute, and uh, he's just he's slipped, and he's fallen Gosh. over. And the keeper's he's got in, he's done hard work and fell over. And that would have been a, that would have been an that would have been an extra point. I don't know if it would have been enough to get them through. Probably it might it might have been in the long run. It would have changed but, what Portugal would have needed to exactly, do today. Exactly, you know. exactly. So. I think this World Cup group stage has been fantastic. All right, just one last kind of thought on, on uh, Portugal because uh, South Korea obviously would do quite well to to go too deep. They obviously have Brazil in the next round, so Portugal are the ones that we're probably looking at. You already said both of you that you can see a situation in which Spain are kind of professionaled for the the euphemism in the quarterfinal. That means that you've got a team with the likes of Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes potentially penciled in as semi-finalists. So you have to say that they've got a reasonable chance of going the whole way. I do say Ronaldo must be kicking himself that he's not five years younger with these players around him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Ronaldo, this, this is his fifth World Cup and he says he'll be 41 by the time the next one rolls around. And, you know, if I'm being honest with you, I think he'll be at the next one. I don't think this is his last one. I think by hook or by crook, even if he accepts it himself, that he won't be the focal point and he'll be off the bench as the last resort, I think he'll be in the squad for the next one. So, if he's ever going to win it... I think if he's he's still playing... Yeah, if he's ever going to win it, though, it's going to be this year. Yeah, I hope he doesn't. Oh, my God, I couldn't... Oh, yeah, I hope he doesn't either. I hope it's the furthest thing. I'd be happy for Bernardo Silva and... Ruben Diaz and stuff, but if it's at the happiness of Ronaldo, then I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. That's the way to do it. You, you've got you've got City players all over this World Cup, so and, and, and another another one of them can win it. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 take. Uh, hopefully, Foden. We'll probably be France, and we don't have any of them. Uh, yeah, so, that's typical. Uh, that's a good way as any to kind of finish this off. You know, one word kind of predictions then uh, based on the group stage. Who's going to win it? Well, we can do the um, next round because I, I think that might be a good place to come back. If we, uh, if, if, oh, yeah, if, yeah. If you, um, 
if, we, if you want to predict the next the next fixtures at least um, in terms of who's going to win it from what I've seen France are the team to beat France are the team to beat but it's coming it's coming home uh, so uh, he's gone for England uh, I don't think as it's God, he's getting late. I don't think we've got time to do all the predictions, but I will say, rather than going through all eight games, is there any game where the obvious favourite isn't going to win? So any of the heavyweights go out in the round of 16? Um, the Dutch. Okay, so you're picking the US. Maz, are you all the heavyweights to, to sail through? I'm, I'm going to say Spain. I'm going to say Spain. So Morocco knocking out Spain. Okay. Well, uh, great. Thanks for that, Jens. It's uh, been good to get your thoughts. Uh, we will come back after the, the round of 16, which I think winds up on the the 6th of December. Uh, so, yeah, look out for the next episode shortly after the second round concludes. Uh, until then, thank you for listening, and we will see you all again soon. Thank you.